Welcome, friends, to the Life on Purpose podcast. I'm your host, Amy Debrick, and I have some exciting news to share with all of you. My first book, Embolden, will be releasing on April 24th and is now available for presale at barnesandnoble.com and Amazon. My Emboldened book kind of encapsulates the message we're promoting here on the Life on Purpose podcast this year by using our experiences as an opportunity to either be emboldened or to embolden others. I co-wrote this book with my oldest daughter, Blair, and our hope was that women could find the strength and courage to do that after reading this encouragement journal. And as we keep moving ahead in 2021, I want to remind you that it is only with intention that we make things happen in our life. And with that, I'm happy to keep sharing incredible women with you and what they are doing to embolden their lives and those around them. As always, I hope you find these conversations inspiring and encouraging to know that no matter what your age or circumstance, you have the power and choice to make a difference and to be emboldened. To learn more about how to get a copy of Emboldened, just visit my website at amydebrick.com and get all the latest news and information there. I hope you enjoy these stories and I look forward to talking to you soon. Well, good morning on um, Life on Purpose podcast. We have Alison Fallon, and she's got an amazing book coming out, but Alison is a writing coach and author. She's the founder of Find Your Voice, which I'm dying to actually talk about because I think that that's really an important thing, especially for in the writing community. It's so hard, I feel like, for writers to find their voice. There's so much noise going on all the time. Um, it's very competitive, so I'm excited for you to kind of tap into that a little bit. But um, can you tell the um, listeners just a little bit about your story, Allison, and how you landed here? Yeah, I, I came upon the work that I do sort of accidentally. I, when I quit my job, my full-time job in 2010, my intention was to write a book and become an author. I'd always known that I wanted to be an author, but I, because of a series of uh, you know, things that had happened in my life, I made decisions along the way to, to teach writing instead of to be an author because I didn't really know anything about the publishing industry and I wasn't sure I could make any money um, writing books. And so I became a teacher instead. And I was a few years into that profession when I realized that this wasn't going to be a good fit for me long term. So I quit my job and I was like, I'm going to write a book. And I was very overly ambitious about this just because I didn't know what I didn't know. And I was incredibly naive and thank God I was naive because I probably wouldn't have done it if I hadn't been. <laughs> but what I thought was going to take me six months to write a book and get it out in the world ended up taking three years of really painstaking work and a lot of, you know, doubting myself and thinking this was a terrible mistake and getting rejections from publishers and, you know, rejections from agents and trying to figure out what a book proposal was and trying to put that together. All that to say in 2013, when my book finally came out and I was like, this is the moment, you know, when I'm, an, I've become a published author and I had, you know, signed a contract with a publisher, did this, took the traditional path and got this book out in the world. And the book actually did fairly well in the marketplace. It sold like 25,000 copies, which is wow. most 95% of books never sell more than, I think it's 500 copies or something like that, or maybe a thousand. So so the book did really well in the marketplace. And still, I remember when I got my first royalty check from the publisher and the royalty check was like $213.74 or something like that. And I was like, oh, okay. So I'm going to need another gig. Like this is what people were talking about when they said it's hard to make money as an author. So, um, I mean, again, like, you know, all these things that happen in our lives, I think, you know, happen the, 
Well, I don't know that I would say that they happen for a reason, but I would say like, you know, we can give some meaning to the things that happen to our life. And the meaning I give to this is this work that I found that is incredibly meaningful and fulfilling for me. I never would have found if I hadn't have realized that I couldn't, you know, pay my bills by just selling books. So what I ended up doing was saying there are other authors out there like me. I knew their work as they had talked to me who wanted to write a book, but didn't understand the publishing world just like I hadn't and didn't know where to start and didn't know how to outline a book and didn't know if they needed an outline. And, you know, were struggling with writer's block and struggling with self-doubt who had something that they wanted to say. So I thought I could help them, especially with my experience teaching. I could put together a curriculum that would last 12 months that could teach someone how to outline a book, how to sit down and actually execute, how to edit their own work, how to, you know, like do peer review edits and how to, how to publish their work and market it and get it out in the world. So I put together that curriculum and really the rest is history. I've spent the last 10 years of my career coaching, helping, supporting authors who, who know they have something that they want to say and, and who are struggling to get it out in the world. And I'll add one more thing to this because I think this is important that a lot of the people who I work with now are not aspiring authors. They're just people who have a story that they want to tell and need to know how to get it on paper because there's something incredibly cathartic about getting your story on paper, regardless of whether you ever share it with anyone. So a lot of the authors that I'm working with now don't even call themselves authors. They're scared to even call themselves writers. They're like, I'm not really a writer, but I have a story that I want to tell. I want my kids to be able to read this story. I want to, I want to write it so that I can remember it in the way that I tell it on the page. I want to pass it on to the future generations. I want to just kind of like better understand myself. And so they're using the materials that we've created for authors just as a way to, to, you know, um, like gain more clarity about their life. So in it, in which I love that, I think that that is just, I think that that's wonderful because I, I think that a lot of times you don't really hear a lot of people talk about that until let's say they're sitting with an elderly grandparent or something and you wish you had the story i've heard a lot of women over the years that almost i feel like are kind of there's an urgency at the end of maybe a loved one's life or whether it's age or something else because they're they're trying to get all this information so i i love that that you're bringing attention to how important that actually is and you don't have to be um have the dream of being this accredited and whatever author i mean your, the story is powerful, whatever that story is. And I, and I think there's really something amazing um, to be able to have that for a loved one or for yourself. You know, life gets busy. I have many, I've, I've said this in the beginning of my journey, even starting, which all stemmed from, and I agree with you, I don't think everything, I think you put a meaning to where you are in your life and the things that happen. And, you know, mine had started with some tragic events and caused some anxiety, but there were in, in that time period, I always say that I lost a lot of the memories because I was in such an, in an overdrive of just survival mode and how nice would it be to have some of these things down on paper of just, seemingless, you know, moments with my kids or just different events. And so I think I, I love that. I, you're the first person that I've ever heard even mention that. And I think that that is just so incredibly important. Um, and I appreciate you, you sharing that. Yeah. Our memories are really fickle. I mean, we, we, um, there are so many important things that happen in our life that we forget about, or like you're talking about when you're in a heightened state of survival, like 
So many of us have been in the year 2020. Um, right. The, when we're in that heightened state of survival, we, we tend to forget things that we would have otherwise remembered. And the other thing that we know about uh, memory from the brain research that's being done most recently is our brains are much more likely to remember tragic or traumatic events than they are to remember good events. So if we aren't diligent about recording what's happening to us in our lives, or I call it metabolizing our life, so writing down the things that happen on a day-to-day basis, then what ends up happening is at the end of a year, when you think, you know, how was 2020 for me? And everyone's talking about this online. We're like, wow, it's just such a hard year. Like, you know, we remember the financial losses. We remember the really challenging parts. We remember, um, you know, like the arguments with loved ones. We remember the division. We remember, you know, what all the stuff that happens that felt really tragic for us. But what we don't remember is the fact that, you know, I wrote a book in 2020. I gave birth to a baby in 2020. My husband and I got so much quality time to ourselves in 2020 that we, you know, before 2020 hit, our travel schedules had us both gone at least once a week. So we were only in the same city for about three, three out of seven days a week, mm. uh, you know, in any given week. And so 2020 gave us all this wonderful, beautiful, lovely time together as a family that we wouldn't have had otherwise. So we tend to forget about those things if we aren't recording the events of our life and actually metabolizing them and, and paying attention to not only the stuff that's challenging and difficult and pushes us, but also to the things that are really beautiful and good. And so I wanted to ask you, kind of piggybacking off when you were just giving a little background, tell us a little bit, um, yeah, I know you founded Find Your Voice, so it, that's the community and where you have all these workshops and coaching and all of that? Okay, because I know you've also, um, you've published 13 books, but are they the 13 books that you've written or published from other people's stories? Other people's stories. So I've published three of my own books and then I've worked on 10 books for other people. Um, You know, in the industry, it's called ghostwriting. I tend to think of it more like co-writing because Mm -hmm. the way it works is I partner with an author who has an idea or has a message that they're already, usually they're already presenting this idea to the world in one form or another, and they just need to package it in the format of a book. So a lot of times these people are you know really influential leaders they're ceos of massive organizations they're running ngos nonprofits. they're doing amazing political work they're olympic athletes they're they're people who are very inspiring and have an incredible story and message to share and perhaps they're sharing it on stages or they're sharing it through an online course or they're sharing it you know at their church or um, through the platform of their organization, but they haven't found a way to package it in the format of a book. So all I really do is I bring my expertise for book writing to the table and I partner with them and I help them take the content that already exists in the world and sort of like, you know, unpack it and digest it and then, and then format it um, in, in a version of a book. Yeah. That's great. Well, I love the, so the power of writing it down, which I met, there's, was a million and one levels why I not only just love the title of this book, but just in general, because I'm such a, an avid note taker. Like, of course, now that I'm getting older, I have to write everything down anyway, but that was always my personality. I'm a list maker. (laughs) I have to write stuff down. If I go somewhere, I get sidetracked, whether it's the grocery store or just, you know, I'm shopping for pillows. Next thing you know, I'm coming home with a comforter and two, you know, picture frames or whatever. So um, I, I, I think that that is just, uh, it is powerful to write things down. But I love the fact that you've taken this to so many levels and how it really can 
affect all aspects of your life beyond just being an author. So talk a little bit more in depth because I know you say even a little bit like writing down five to 20 minutes a day, just small practices and what a huge difference that makes. So um, what would you say to the person who, who's never written anything down, how they can begin and what that process might look like for them and what, what on the short term even that they can gain from doing that? Well, the data shows that writing for as little as 20 minutes a day for four days in a row can, can uh, produce a measurable improvement in your mood. And there's a whole other list of things that, that go along with that. It actually like increases the effectiveness of your immune system. So people who write regularly are less likely to visit the doctor for upper respiratory infections and flu. It can improve your confidence. It increases your clarity. It increases your focus. It improves your memory. So there are all these things that a, a writing practice can do for you. And what the data says is all it takes is 20 minutes a day for four days in a row. So I go into, in the book, I talk a lot about this idea of 20 minutes because I get, I get some different responses to the, to the idea of 20 minutes a day, four days in a row. Some people say, wow, 20 minutes a day, four days in a row, that's all it takes. And other people say, wow, 20 minutes a day, four days in a row, that's a lot. (laughs) So I think it depends on your particular life circumstance. And I'm in this unique position where I've got a five month old daughter and less than, let's see, what are we in 2021 now, early 20. So less than two years ago, I was not married. Um, well, a little over two years ago, I was not married, living in an apartment by myself and had no children. So at that time in my life, I mean, I'm, I guess I'm saying like, I'm in this unique time where like not that long ago, my life circumstances looked really different. And at that time in my life, 20 minutes a day for four days wouldn't have felt like a big deal at all. I would have thought like, who can't find 20 minutes a day? And now having a five month old daughter and being married and and being in quarantine and we're all in the house together. I think like 20 minutes to carve out 20 minutes a day for yourself is, is, you know, I mean, good for you if you can find a way to do it. So if 20 minutes sounds like a lot to you, then don't worry about making it 20 minutes. Start with five, find an amount of time that you feel that you can commit to this practice on a daily basis, because inevitably what will happen is you'll begin to experience some of the benefits that a writing practice can bring into your life. And as you experience those benefits, you're going to be even more motivated to continue to carve out time. There have been plenty of times in the last five months since my daughter was born where I haven't written for 20 minutes in a day, but I've just scribbled something on a piece of paper when I had a second, a little note or a reminder to myself. And I don't mean like, don't forget milk at the grocery store, although that can be part of it too, but a little note or a reminder to myself, like, don't forget you're doing a great job Mm. or you're a good mom. So little notes and reminders to myself, to yourself, where you can kind of be your own coach, your own therapist, your own um, encourager, supporter. You can tell yourself the things that you wish other people would tell you. You'd be shocked at what a powerful practice that can be. Um, that, you know, not to, not to say we don't need other people encouraging us and supporting us in our lives, but you'd be shocked at how powerful it can be for you to actually be the one to tell yourself the thing that you've been longing to hear. Yeah. So even something as simple as that, you know, I wrote down the other morning, let me see if I can flip to it. Uh, I wrote um, a little note to myself in the morning. I just wrote, you have choices. That's all I wrote. That was my writing practice for the day. Just to remind myself that no matter what happens in my life, there are some things that you don't get to choose, but no matter what you do have things that you, you get to choose. So there's so many different ways you can engage with this writing practice. And, and this is why I wrote the book is because I wanted to teach someone who doesn't consider themselves a writer who doesn't see themselves ever publishing anything, who isn't sure that they have anything to say. I wanted to show them how low hanging this fruit really is 
and how with even just a little bit of effort and a little bit of coaching and a little bit of training um, that you can actually start to reap tons of rewards from this practice. Well, I think that you're right. And I, and I love how, um, and I think listeners will appreciate this as well, that you were able to adjust um, from what was for you, which you said, you know, a single, single woman and being able to have time, which, you know, I mean, not endless time, but a lot more flexibility and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, things working at your schedule to how you were able to shift that and say, okay, well, I, now I appreciate that 20 minutes isn't maybe as easy for everybody as it was, you know, now that you're living a different life. So I think it's important to recognize that. And I love that you do that. And I also love that it's about, you know, the writing is just so good on so many levels, but the self-care piece, in addition to just feeling like you're sharing your story, you're getting things done, you're having this, um, you know, almost like daily affirmations, basically telling yourself, um, yeah. like you had said, you're, you know, even if you're writing down in the morning, you know, show yourself grace today or, you know, find forgiveness today or whatever it is. It's, it's such a powerful thing to start your day with or end your day or whenever you, you take that. And honestly, you know, when you're talking about writing those notes down, like you were just saying that you had written down for yourself, that's less than five minutes. That's just jotting something down to get you started, which I think is so reasonable and doable. Yeah, 100%. I mean, this, this, what I want this to be is doable for literally anybody. So, you know, even if you're in a season where you're busier than you've ever been before, or you really don't have any time to yourself, or you've got, I mean, I'm working with clients who are moms who have four kids in their house, homeschooling, they're juggling work, they're trying to homeschool their kids, they're trying to take care of their family, or, or dads, you know, who are, um, like, you know, so many of us are struggling in this time of COVID people have lost their businesses, have had to pivot, you know, are like, just like scrambling basically to make their life work. So even if that's you, and honestly, especially if that's you, this practice has something really helpful to offer you because imagine, you know, I say this, like in the book, I talk about, you know, if 20 minutes a day sounds like a lot for you, imagine if a simple practice of sitting down to the page to write down a couple of words could save you the pain and the drama of sitting around and wondering whether someone's upset with you mm. or of going to a lunch meeting or some sort of, or taking a Zoom meeting that you wish you wouldn't have taken or, um, you know, panicking at night about what you're going to do about your kid who's been struggling in school or any of these things, these rabbit holes that we get hooked by mm -hmm. or, you know, like getting sucked into the news and watching these clips over and over and over and over again that causes so much anxiety. So if you could save yourself the drama of any of those things, perhaps you could win back an hour of your life or five hours of your life or a day of your life or a week of your life of worrying about something that doesn't, you know, that isn't going to help you at all. Um, simply by spending 20 minutes focusing on what really matters. What do I really care about? What am I trying to accomplish today? Um, who am I really, what's the truth about me? Writing can help us bring us back to those things. Yeah. I mean, I, I have yet to meet a woman, Allison, that doesn't have the nighttime, a witching hour of rehashing their day of whether it's, you know, words that shouldn't have been spoken or time that wasn't well spent, or, I mean, we're all guilty of it. So this is such a powerful thing to be able to really kind of nix that from the beginning. So you don't have to do that 
You know what I mean? You don't have to do that at night. You, you'll have already kind of set the tone for the day of what direction you want to go in. Yeah. Or I'll even say this too. You don't have to do that. And also you could do it through your writing mm. so that you bring more awareness to what you're actually doing. Because what writing does is it helps us access a part of our brains that we wouldn't otherwise access. You don't access this part of your brain when you're just sort of thinking and bouncing ping ponging ideas around in your head. And you don't access this brain when you're talking this part of your brain when you're talking. So whether you're in therapy, if you're doing talk therapy over Zoom with a therapist, I am a huge fan of talk therapy. I've been in talk therapy for the last, well, I've been doing some form of therapy for the last 15 years of my life. So a huge fan of therapy, but just talking over Zoom with your therapist, you're not accessing this part of your brain. So if you're going to ruminate or obsess at night over, you know, like what I said today, didn't say what I did or shouldn't have, should have done or shouldn't have done or whatever. What if you just sat down to the page and you just wrote out, mm. here are the things I'm glad I did today. And you just listed them. Here are the things I wish I wouldn't have said today. And you just listed them. The, the act of actually picking up a pen and putting that pen to paper and listing the, these things out will not only prevent you from ruminating on them over and over and over again, it will also help you see the truth of what's actually going on. Mm. What we begin to see as we start to record our thoughts and feelings and ideas on the page is we start to see patterns and once we see those patterns that are buried in our subconscious brain, now we have the leverage and the power to start to shift them. So what you might see as you write down these things is you might see there's one relationship that keeps popping up over and over and over again every night as you write about it. You might realize, you know, in most of my life, I don't, I don't worry about what I say, but with this one person, hmm. I'm constantly worrying that I'm offending them. I wonder right. what that means. I wonder what that's about. And you can start to unpack that through your writing practice and actually, instead of getting stuck in the same ruts and traps and patterns over and over again, you can start to heal those patterns and create newer, healthier, happier patterns so that now your subconscious brain is actually working for you rather than against you. Yeah, I love that. I think that's great. I think everybody could use a little bit more of that. You know, I think it's just a really good practice. And it's like I said, it's so doable that, it, you know, it's really would be, um, serving anybody well at any time to be able to pick that pen up or pencil and just write write down what their thoughts are. Well, Allison, it's I before we go, I, I need to ask you because I know that um, one of the things I love about the power of writing it down and everything that you're doing to help in this community of just um, getting people's thoughts on paper. And like I said, the whole gamut of just self-care along with writing and just marrying the two together so beautifully. What would you say, you know, this, the theme this year for Life on Purpose is to embolden others, which I feel like you're doing and this book is just another tool and resource. Um, so what, what would you say in, you know, maybe just a few words, what is one way that you can embolden someone else through this practice? My answer to that is you cannot embolden someone else before you embolden yourself. You mm. can't. In fact, the greatest way to embolden someone else is to be bold yourself. Think about this. The times in our lives when we feel courageous to be bold are because we've watched that modeled by someone else. Mm -hmm. And so what you can do is learn to be bold yourself. And as you're bold yourself, you'll model for the people around you. You model this for your children. I have felt so motivated to heal my wounds since my daughter was born, because I think, you know, the way that she's going to know that she is worthy and she matters and she deserves to take up space in the world and she doesn't have to like ration her food and her calories or whatever, like all this stuff that goes on in my brain, the way she's going to know that is not because I tell her you're worthy, you matter, you deserve to take up space in the world. It's going to be because she watches me 
She watches right. the way that I interact with food. She watches the way I interact with other people. She watches the way that I carry myself and that I treat myself. So the only way that we can embolden someone else is by, by emboldening ourselves. And a lot of times people will say to me about the writing practice, you know, I would love to write every day, but it just feels so self-indulgent. And I think this is such a misconception that we have about self-care in general. Um, go ahead and be self-indulgent. If you, th- you want to call it self-indulgent, that's not what I would call it. But indulge yourself knowing that by going inside and healing what's happening inside of you, you're, you're offering someone else, the people around you in your immediate proximity, the permission to do the same. And wouldn't you do this for any one of your children any one of your friends, for your partner in life, your, your spouse, for um, any of your colleagues or your coworkers, wouldn't you want the same for them? And if you want the same for them, then give yourself permission to do, do that as well. Right. Well, I always say, and I totally agree with you, you can't pour from an empty cup. And so if you want mm-hmm. to give others your best, you have to give yourself your best first. I mean, it's just the way it is. Just like you can't, I always tell my kids, you know, you can't expect anyone to be the BL and all for you. You have to love yourself first. That's not their job to fill those holes in, you know? Totally. And so um, I love that. I think that's great. Well, Allison, how can um, the listeners connect with you personally to get involved in some of your classes and the coaching and all of that? Yeah. I mean, the first thing I would do is go buy a copy of the book. The book is available wherever books are sold. So at your favorite online retailer, the power of writing it down. And then also if you're interested in more of our writing prompts or any of our courses or programs, you can find those at findyourvoice.com. Okay. Well, that's great. Well, thank you so much. It was such a pleasure talking to you. I love everything that you have to say. And um, it just kind of refuels me to make sure that, you know, you have times in your life when you're really good and diligent about writing things down and doing everything, you know, checking all the boxes. And so I think it's always good to hear from someone to kind of refuel that motivation to stay on task. I love it. Well, thank you for having me. It's been great to be here. Well, that's it for us today. If you want some additional encouragement and resources, please go to my website at amydebrick.com. I look forward to having you meet me back here next week so we can move ahead with your next steps, feeling more confident and hopeful. In the meantime, don't forget to live your life on purpose. Have a wonderful weekend and God bless.